and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. And, Victor, we're getting down to it in the college football world as we're down to the final few weeks in college football. And with it, the college football polls, the playoff polls, are out each week. More controversy abounds. New number one in the polls this week, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Your take, Victor, on this week's college football committee poll results. Absolutely, Mark. A new team enters the top four, and of course, that would be Alabama that you just mentioned. Not only do they men- do they enter the top four, but they enter the number one slot. And you know, we talked about it last week. You got to give a little bit of credit to the playoff committee for not being afraid to put a one-loss team, or in this case, two one-loss teams, ahead of the undefeated team. That would be Florida State, who remains number three in the top four rankings. And as far as the committee goes, it looks like, Mark, they're all about uh, strength of schedule. They're all about quality wins. And a new little feature that I heard in interviews uh, when the uh, uh, playoff rankings were released was uh, uh, control, quality control. Uh, They look for teams that uh, perhaps uh, dominate their opponent from the starting gun all the way to the end of the game. It appears that Florida State is being penalized a little bit because they're having to come back from big-time first-half margins. In fact, they've been an entirely different second-half team than compared to first-half team this season. So you do have Alabama and Oregon, one-loss teams, number one and two, Florida State three, Mississippi State slides to number four. But again, you got to give credit to the committee for not being afraid to rank teams with one loss over teams with zero losses. They did certainly that with Florida State, who again came from behind, as you mentioned, in Miami of Florida against the Hurricanes this past weekend, but yet still retained that number three slot, Florida State trailing in the half in five football games this year, but managing to come back and stay spotless on the football season here. And one has to wonder, Victor, if, uh, if that keeping the foot on the pedal the entire game concept is part of the equation or part of the thought process of which Urban Meyer has really seems to have picked up on at least a little bit a while ago. Uh, I wonder what happens with TCU, a football team that really, really struggled last week against Kansas, yet still retains the number five slot, still ahead of Baylor, a team that they lost to earlier this year. I know there's a lot of controversy that will be that will be taken upon these polls, but uh, your take, Victor, on if you had to massage and had a vote on the polls, what way would you be ranking your top four teams at this stage of the season? I would agree with the current top four, Mark. I think that both of the Big 12 teams are going to be in a little bit of trouble. We're talking Baylor and TCU. Yes, both one-loss teams. But are they going to settle it on the field against each other? Unfortunately, no. We all know the Big 12 does not have a championship game. So I think, unfortunately, neither one of those programs will make it to the uh, final four, if you will. Uh, I think that uh, you're going to see either Mississippi State or Mississippi in that number four spot, depending what happens, of course, in the Egg Bowl at the end of the regular season, or 
a team like Ohio State also has potential to crack into the top four as well, especially knowing that, of course, uh, we are. it's almost a given that they're going to beat Indiana and Michigan in their final two games of the regular season, but that would set them up for a big-time Big Ten championship game against a all-of-a-sudden resurgent Wisconsin program, and a quality win like that over Wisconsin could very well vault the Buckeyes into the number four spot. Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler, is saying, picking up on your words, that it's a given Ohio State will beat Michigan. I don't think anybody would have ever thought that back going a little ways ago, but the bottom line is the Buckeyes are dominant, Michigan is not. And it would be interesting to also see what Ohio State would do if they win their Big Ten championship game. That would be a credible win to see whether or not that would be enough to vault them in. As you mentioned, the Southeast Conference tends to kind of cannibalize themselves by beating each other, and they'll do that again in their SEC title championship game, if not the Egg Bowl, the championship game. And, you know, the question that I keep throwing out there each week is will we see a two loss team make the final four playoffs? And, you know, you have to stop and give some consideration here the fact that you've got in the Southeast Conference two loss Mississippi, two loss Georgia, perhaps two loss Missouri if they represent the East Division in the playoffs. Those teams will be knocking on the two loss door out of the Pac 12 Conference. You've got two loss UCLA if they can get past Southern Cal this week and win their Pac 12 championship. They would also be a two loss team. So don't throw out the possibility that we might see yet a two loss team enter the final four come the final four playoff positionings by the end of the football season. In recap of these polls, we find six Southeast Conference teams in the top 25, six Pac-12 teams also in the top 25, and four teams each from the Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC. So as the world turns in the world of college football, so do the playoff polls. And Victor, talking about the world turning in college football, down here in South Florida, it was announced Will Muschamp from the Florida Gators announced that he will be leaving the program at the end of the football season. I'm sure he's the first of many coaching changes that will happen. Uh, did you see the Florida uh, Will Muschamp announcement coming? I think a lot of people did. And the question is, would they expect it earlier? Will it be a good thing for Florida? And who do you see perhaps maybe taking his place down here with the Florida Gator program? Well, it is a definitely a quality uh, program, a very, very attractive job. Uh, this team has suffered through some big-time staggering offensive ineptitude. It's basically gripped the program for several years, and they're going to definitely look in the offensive direction for a new coach. they got a couple of choices within the SEC conference uh, alone. Mullen from Mississippi State uh, jumps right off the top of my head as well. Uh, again, a little surprising that it happened in the middle of the season, or in this case, uh, the uh, last third of the season. But uh, it, was, it was a done deal after some of their losses earlier this year. And, of course, uh, there was a 29-point loss to a Missouri team at home that produced 119 total yards of offense, and basically that is a near uh, uh, impossibility. So uh, plenty of choices, uh, even within their own SEC conference, uh, for a very attractive Florida Gators job. I think 
perhaps personally what put the nail in Will Muschamp's coffin happened last year when he lost at home to Georgia Southern. They lost a football game in the swamp there, and that had to really bring the Boo Birds and uh, all the alumni out in mass to uh, ask for his head. And he's got they've got that just there right now in Florida. So we'll see what happens. You know it'll be a high-marquee, big-name coach that will take the job of Will Muschamp with the Florida Gators come next football season. And, Victor, before we move it over to the National Football League side of things, I know there was a, uh, uh, something happened in the world of college football that shook up the Heisman Trophy race, if you will. looked like a pure two-horse race, if you will. Now it looks like there's a third entrant inside the Heisman Trophy race. Comment on that, if you would. Well, we at least know that uh, there will be three people going to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. As often is the case, Mark, something something happens big in November that tends to reset our collective thinking about the Heisman Trophy race. And it happened uh, on Saturday, uh, basically ushering one player to near the front of the pack and perhaps pushing another one into the pack. And, of course, we got to talk about uh, the fast riser, Wisconsin running back Melvin Gordon, who broke the FBS record for single-game rushing yards with a preposterous 408 against Nebraska last week. And don't forget this, that was in just three quarters of work. Basically an insane performance, a big-time pro professional for Gordon. He's one of the breakaway threats in college football. He already has eight carries this year of over 50 yards. He's got 27 rushes over 20 yards, and again, eight carries over 50 yards. So it looks like uh, Melvin Gordon will make it to New York. Uh, will he eclipse front runner Mariota? Probably not. But while Gordon's stock did soar on Saturday, well, we know what happened to Mississippi State and quarterback Dak Prescott. Uh, they took a little bit of a hit with a three-interception performance against Alabama. So right now it looks like uh, it is Marcus Mariota's to win the Heisman Trophy, but we do know who the top three are, and that would definitely be Mariota, Prescott, the two quarterbacks, and, of course, Melvin Gordon, the great running back from Wisconsin. We'll certainly keep an eye on those three college football players as we get closer and closer to the announcement in New York in the month of December for this year's Heisman Trophy winner. On to the National Football League side of things, Victor. And last week, I think all in all, a real good week for underdogs. And I know I say that because when I win, I know that the underdogs win. And it was a good week for me personally with the National Football League dogs. What was your tally last week, Victor, when the final dust settled in the National Football League? It's uncanny how things change in the NFL. Just two weeks ago, we were talking about the worst Sunday in years in the NFL with the faves hitting at such a high percentage. What happens the exact following week? Underdogs rule. They went 10-4 and four ATS in the NFL over the weekend. Uh, there were seven underdogs who won outright in their game. And there were three games that just totally blew me away, Mark. When you see a favorite of six or more losing the game by 14 or more. Of course, I'm talking about the Denver Broncos who lost on the road to the Rams. They got completely dominated. The least amount of points Peyton Manning has put up since joining the Denver Broncos. Uh, losing to St. Louis uh, by double digits. In fact, by 14 or more points. Uh, the New Orleans Saints... Heck, now for a five-year period, the Saints have been automatic, great plays at home. They've now lost two consecutive home games in a row. Last week, they were a seven or more point favorite against uh, Cincinnati and just got totally dominated, losing 27-10 to 10 at home. 
And even the Washington Redskins, they were big, hefty favorites at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were completely dominated as well. So underdogs not only went 10-4 and four ATS, but they went 7-7 seven and seven straight up as well. And it was a killer week for the books, Mark. I say that because we also sprinkle in the fact that it was a tremendous week for unders as well. Only four NFL games went over the total last week. Ten games went under the total. Uh, on Sunday alone, there were two and nine over under. And, Mark, I've, I've got the numbers here, and they're uh, courtesy of this week's totals tip sheet. Last week, the average over-under line in the NFL was 46.9. That is the highest average of the season. And the results, an average of only 37.6 points per game. So the average game in the NFL went under by almost 10 full points at minus 9.3. Was it a great Sunday, a great weekend for the books? You better believe it with all those dogs and unders coming home. We'll see if they adjust those over-under total lines somewhat this week like they do perhaps the favorites in the world of the National Football League because everything is reactionary in this league. What goes up must come down, and it happened in a big way last week in the National Football League as far as favorites and over-under totals went. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away when Dick and I come back. We'll continue with our college football game of the week. We've got a dandy on tap when Notre Dame plays host to Louisville. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Don't get fooled by a shady handicapper that claims he wins 80% of the time. Get a documented handicapper. Sportswatch Monitor is your home for documented sports picks you can trust. Our collection of handicappers is the finest in the industry and you can have the confidence every monitored selection has been documented and verified. The Sportswatch Monitor is a non-biased handicapper monitoring service for all major sports. So uncover that shady handicapper by looking first on the Sportswatch. If he isn't there, he probably isn't straight up with you. Go with a reputable handicapper to assist you in building your bankroll. Go to sportswatchmonitor.com and review our top five for football and start winning. Okay, guys, let's get to it. This is our college football game of the week segment here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. We'll go into Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana this week when Louisville takes on Notre Dame. Victor, your take on the Cardinals and the Fighting Irish this Saturday. 3.30 Eastern kickoff in South Bend. The over-under line opened 54.5. It's come down. The last time I looked this morning, it was down to 53 points. So that first initial line surge was definitely toward the under. Uh, I'm not surprised. This is the first uh, meeting between these two teams. And most of their individual team over-under tendencies do indeed point to a fairly low-scoring game. For Louisville, their uh, best undertrends are against non-conference opponents and on the road. As an example, 4-10 and over-under for Louisville in their last 14 non-conference games. 2-8 and over-under in their last 10 road games. Uh, for Notre Dame, their best under stats appear to be in their home games and against winning teams. The Fighting Irish 13-28 and in their last uh, 41 home games, that's 13 overs and 28 unders. They've also gone 15 and 35 over under in their last 40 games against greater than 500 opposition. If this game were played about oh about a month ago, I would definitely say let's look under. 
At one point, both of these teams were basically automatic under teams. Louisville started the season 1-6-1 and over-under, and Notre Dame started the season 1-4 and over-under. Four of their first five games indeed went under the total, but they're both trending over as of late. Louisville's gone over the total in each of their last two games, and by pretty hefty margins as well. They went over by 12 points against Boston College and over by 23 points against Florida State. And Notre Dame has uh, started closing the season, allowing some points and scoring some points on offense. They've gone 4-1 and one over under in their last five games. Their last three games, the Irish have gone over the total by 30 points, by 26 points, and by 34 points. On offense, they've scored 27 or more in each of their last five games. They're averaging 39.4 points per game. And, of course, Louisville's off their best three offensive game stretch of the season as well, scoring fairly consistently. They've scored, what, 30, 31, and 38 points in their last three games. So while many people are looking for this game to go under the total mark, I'm going to uh, follow the line move. When it reaches what I think will be its lowest point, somewhere around 51 or 52, we're going to take a look at this game actually going over the total, given what these two teams have done uh, lately, scoring, allowing points. So let's follow that line move. Let's let it work its way down a little bit till we find a nice little manageable number around 51 points, and then take a look at Louisville and Notre Dame going over the total. Victor going to look for value with this total get down to the 51-52 range and go over the total when the Fighting Irish take on the Cardinals in South Bend this Saturday. This is a football game, Victor, that uh, finds these two teams locking horns, if you will, largely because of Notre Dame's tie into the ACC, a conference that Louisville joined here. And while it's still technically an independent matchup, it's an affiliation of the ACC. Louisville comes into the contest. They lost their starting quarterback, Will Gardner. He went out for the season last week, so they're going to rely on a backup quarterback who, by the way, has played earlier this year, so they're not going to be totally foreign behind center this particular week, but it will be a tough first start for a freshman quarterback in South Bend, to say the least, in front of touchdown Jesus. Louisville takes the field a perfect 5-0 and to the spread the last five years in their final road game of the season, and in fact, they've traveled quite well anywhere. Take a look at Notre Dame on the road against five, or sorry, Louisville on the road against 500 or better teams where they won 9-13 straight up, going 12-1 and to the spread in this particular role. The Fighting Irish come in here disappointed after a 6-0 start on the season. They've gone just 1-3 straight up into the spread their last four football games. That's due largely to turnovers, and a lot of them coming from the quarterback, Everett Golson, who's turning the ball over with a lot of regularity here of late. They come in up that disappointing overtime loss to Northwestern last week, and that sort of sets the table in my mind for the chances of Notre Dame in this contest, given the fact that home favorites off overtime losses are horrible to the spread, especially if they lost to the spread by more than 10 points in that overtime loss. They're just 9-20 and 20 since the inception of overtime back in 1960, 1996, I should say. The bottom line to me here, you've got Bobby Petrino, one of the best college football coaches in games when taking on an opponent off a loss, his team off a win. Put the combination together, Petrino off a win, the opponent off a loss. He's 23-1 and one straight up in his career in that scenario, going 18-6 and six to the spread. We'll take Louisville plus the points against Notre Dame for our side in this football game. 
Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to tear down our National Football League game of the week between the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. That and our hop-out trip to Las Vegas. We check in with Dave Tooley to find out what's going on in Sin City this week. Just around the corner with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. This football season, go where the wise guys go for all their winning information. Playbook.com website. If accurate, exclusive winning information is important to you, it's important you make Playbook.com your one-stop source for all your football information this season. Whether it's downloading a weekly copy of the Playbook Football Newsletter, selecting guaranteed best bets or free picks from the world-famous Playbook Experts Handicappers, or checking lines and scores, Playbook.com has it all. And make it your inside source this football season for exclusive information not found anywhere on the web. Get every edge imaginable at playbook.com, where winners go for winners. All right, guys, it's time for our National Football League Game of the Week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, I'll hand it over to Victor King as we tear down the Arizona Cardinals-Seattle Seahawks matchup this Sunday taking place in Seattle. Victor, how do you see this matchup in this NFC West Division rival? Over underline is right around 41 and a half in this game, and uh, we're going to be looking to go under the total, but that is a key number in the NFL. Uh, many games, many different scoring uh, combinations can occur with a game finishing right on top of 41 points. So our key in this game is 41 and a half or higher. It is a NFC West Division series in which the under has gone five and one in the last six meetings when these two play in Seattle up there in the Pacific Northwest. Average uh, line when these two play each other, 42.5. Average score, 36.0. We're going to be looking to go under now. Seattle has been a surprisingly over team this year. They've gone seven and three over under on the season. That's a lot different than last year. Arizona, on the other hand, has been, again, a solid under team for the second year in a row. They've gone under the total in 67% of their games this season, three, six, and one over under overall. And uh, what I like about this game being a little bit lower scoring than people anticipate is we have two very good rush defenses in this game. Arizona ranked number three in the entire league, allowing only 80 yards per rush. I think that's going to uh, speak volumes in terms of uh, what sort of uh, beast mode we're going to be seeing as far as the Seattle running game goes. And Seattle's no slouch with the rush D either. They're ranked in the top 10, number seven to be specific, allowing only 90 rush yards per, per game themselves. So rushing yards are going to be tough. And when you can't run in the NFL, you can't pass. You can't open things up for the pass. So that basically means that the outcome of this particular NFC West big division game is probably going to ride on the arm of Russell Wilson and Drew Stanton. And that's not something that uh, I want to bank any sort of over money on, particularly in a series that's been as low scoring as this one has as of late. I see both teams, again, having difficulties running the ball. And um, what do we have in terms of uh, records or anything from the database? We've got Arizona, of course, clear-cut, best team in the NFL, 9-1 and one straight up. In the last four seasons, 800 or greater road dogs in the NFL in the second half of the season, like Arizona is, have gone 1-7-1 and one over under. Of course, they're coming off six straight up in eight TS wins in a row. 
by far the hottest team in the NFL. Division road underdogs off six or more straight-up wins in a row have gone a perfect 0-5 over-under in the last five seasons. Arizona's gone 3-8-1 over-under their last 12 uh, versus conference opponents. They've gone under in four of their last five road games dating back to late last season. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Seattle, 1-6 over-under at home when playing off a straight-up road favorite loss. And, yes, they were a slight one-point road favorite in that loss last week against Kansas City. They've gone 2-12 over-under as uh, shorter division home favorites of six or less points. 2-11 after playing the Chiefs. Uh, 3-7 over-under for Seattle, their last 10 against winning teams. We're looking to go low out there, Mark. Arizona, Seattle, under the total. Make sure your line is 41.5 or higher before you pull the trigger. Victor wants to see 41.5 or more points. He does. He goes under the total when Arizona takes on the Seattle Seahawks in the big NFC West Division showdown this Sunday. Arizona in made Seattle this week with a big, fat three-game lead inside the division here, resting comfortably atop that particular division. This will also mark a road start for Drew Stanton, who took over for Carson Palmer last week, was impressive in his first win at home. We'll see what Drew Stanton has in his road game at Seattle. And as we all know, very, very tough venue for quarterbacks to have to play when they're playing in Seattle. They beat Seattle, did Arizona, the last time they invaded here in December of last year. That snapped a 15-game home win streak for the Seahawks, so you know that'll be circled in red for Seattle when Arizona invades in this contest as well. The defending Super Bowl champion Seahawks return home off the disappointing loss to Kansas City last week when three times in the fourth quarter in the red zone last week they failed to punch the ball in and left instead Arrowhead with a loss instead of the victory. Russell Wilson comes home outstanding in his NFL career, 8-2 and two to the spread when he's been at home against an opponent that's off a straight-up and ATS win. In fact, you can make that number 3-0 and to the spread when Seattle's off a loss, the combination of those two factors. Another nice stat from our database here, the Seattle Seahawks at home against 900 or better opponents. The better the opponent, the better Seattle seems to play. About 8-0 to the spread in that particular role for the Seattle Seahawks this week. Bottom line, once again, in this football game to me is this is what the epitome of what you would call a must-win game for the Seattle Seahawks. When I say that, it's not only must-win because they trail by three losses in the win column in the division. They're more concerned about making the playoffs, not so much winning the NFC West. But take a look at their schedule and what they've got coming up in their next four football games, the Seattle Seahawks. They'll be at San Francisco next week, at Philadelphia the week after, returning home to host San Francisco and then going at Arizona the week after. That's a, as tough a four-game schedule as you'll find anywhere in the National Football League. Once again, making this a must-win game for the Seahawks. I'll stay at home with Seattle, lay the points against the Arizona Cardinals for my side in this football game this Sunday. And with that, it's time for us to hop out to Las Vegas now and check with our good friend Dave Tooley as we get the view from Vegas to find out what's going on in Las Vegas this weekend. Dave, how's everything going for you? in Las Vegas as we head into a hectic weekend in the National Football League this week. Doing great. The uh, last weekend was uh, very good for yours truly. Um, <laughs> had a uh, yeah, very good college uh, football Saturday, and then the NFL uh, with the underdogs uh, was very good as well. And almost, almost added on some uh, contest winnings uh, as well. Just uh, a few spots on contest didn't connect the dots. Uh, Seahawks, if they had held on, would have really helped me out there. But uh, overall, uh, no complaints on a great weekend. 
Yeah, it was. As Victor and I talked earlier in the show about the big week for the underdogs in the National Football League last weekend, uh, I would imagine your ticket, Dave, uh, I'm going to guess, not knowing, you probably had a 4-1 and one ticket with the loser being the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, absolutely right <laughs> in the, in the super <laughs> contest. Uh, although yeah, I'm nowhere near contention in that. So uh, yeah, I'm mostly concentrating on my on my own, on my regular betting uh, at this point of the season. There is the mini contest over the last three weeks of the year. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll keep you uh, alive. Keeps everybody in tune for that particular contest. And given the fact, Dave, that uh, the dogs did so well last week, last week when we visited with you, it was a big week for favorites in the contest. One of the biggest weeks, I think, uh, in a long, long time for favorites and a lot of impressive results, win-loss records. I'm going to guess that the win-loss records overall were down this week because of the underdogs in the LVH Super Bowl contest this week. Yeah, overall, definitely. The, uh, the, the top five consensus uh, that I post on, in the View from Vegas forums every week uh, from the Super Contest, uh, that, they went three and two for, to maintain a 60% oh, hit rate. Uh, the overall consensus was only seven and seven, but uh, a, a number of the leaders uh, really struggled. Out of, the, out of the top 12 people going into last week, only three of them had a winning record. And coincidentally oh. enough, those are the top three in the standings now. <laughs> CH uh-huh. Ballers, uh, we had, we've talked about the last few weeks, uh, was in the lead. He, he went he went three and two, which is one of his worst weeks uh, lately. He's uh, forty two and thirteen. Uh, I believe that's seventy six percent, somewhere around there. Wow. Uh, but uh, and then uh, only one game back, uh, tandem of uh, Briefcase Two and General Sow, and it was. Uh, the the interesting thing though, like I said, nine of the other top twelve all had losing records. Now, of course, there's some people that were farther back that had good weeks that jumped over and all that. But uh, right now, between those two that are tied for second and then the fourth place group of seven handicappers, there's a three game gap with six weeks to go, which is wow. like <laughs> incredibly huge. I mean, uh, yeah, Ch Ballers could uh, go one and four and Almost, uh, you know, there's no way he's going to drop out of the top three. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny how those three have really separated themselves, you know, at this point. So would you guess, Dave, that uh, I'm going to guess that because, as you mentioned, that of the top 12 leaders, only three had winning records last week, uh, your overall feel for those top 12 leaders being largely chalk players, would that be your guess? Um, most of them are mix it up pretty good. Uh, but uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's certain ones that are you know pl- play more chalk than others. But uh, it was uh, you know a, lo- a lot of the uh, popular plays uh, that everyone was jumping on uh, went down in flames. I'm I'm trying to think off the top of my head what was the, the one that really burned a lot of people. And uh, da, 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 um, maybe Cleveland. the Denver Broncos. Yeah, no, 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 the Cleveland Browns actually. Uh, laying only the the three against the Texans um, out of the top twelve contestants, uh, eight of them had the Browns. So, wow. so that that uh, it was a very uh, a popular play, especially among the leaders. Um, and I think you know some of those uh, people that are up high have probably been writing the Browns uh, a lot this year. And uh, so, but uh, this week it didn't work for them. 
And uh, Victor, that kind of sets the table for a question I know you want to run by Dave on the show this week as we talk about what happened in the National Football League last week. Yeah, I want to get Dave's reaction if possible. This uh, last two-week period of the NFL, the, definitely the most extreme two-week period of the season, uh, a great uh, week for the uh, squares or the public out there two weeks ago as favorites went 9-4 and four and it was all doom and gloom for the sports books. Complete opposite this last uh, most recent week, Dave. Not only did the dogs really bark big, they went 10-4 and four ATS, but they went 7-7 seven and seven straight up, meaning multiple money line underdogs, or at least half of them. Uh, won their game outright, not to mention the fact that it was a great week for unders as well. Four overs, ten unders in the NFL. I would imagine there's a lot more uh, cash in the cages for the sports book as, as they're back in black. Would I be right there? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. week ten was uh, a disaster for the books. And we, we talked about it on the show last week that, I mean, a lot of the lines were really getting steamed towards the favorites because a lot of the the public had extra money to spend uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Really moving the lines, and the books were having to adjust to them rather aggressively. But uh, yeah, the uh, yeah the results definitely flipped this week. Although you know a lot of them weren't the case of the the, the line coming into play that had been inflated. It was just uh, that the dogs were really barking uh, early and often, you know, leading off for that uh, Rams win over the Broncos. Which you know, mm-hmm. if you if you watch those two teams, you thought that they switched jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Rams were in control throughout, and I mean the Broncos looked like the the big underdog that couldn't muster anything on offense to get back in the game. It was a uh, it was a very strange game to watch. But, um, but yeah, a lot of, you know, you mentioned, you know, some of the dogs cashed on the money line. So, I mean, there was some, some betters that did well on that, but what those, uh, dogs winning on the money line did on the flip side was it killed a lot of the teasers, of, yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of te- you know, public, you know, tease the Broncos every week. Uh, and it's certainly the saints at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then they lost outright too. So yeah, the, the teasers really, really got, uh, you got, you got beat up pretty bad. Speaking about all this, Dave, as the dust settles on this, uh, what effect is it that you've seen as far, as far as line moves have gone, maybe at least from what the early send out to the contest was last week to this week? Any line moves that we should be made aware of this week in the National Football League? Yeah, it's on, not not as many as we talked about last week. You know, last week, like I said, was really extreme based on the, after the Week Ten results. But I mean, there's there's still a few. Um, the uh, Falcons were a one and a half point favorite on the advanced line at the Westgate that comes out the prior Tuesday. Um, you know, Falcons were minus one and a half. Now that's up to three, and even we're seeing min- minus three, minus twenty against the Browns. So uh, a lot of movement there towards the Falcons. Uh, Packers at the Vikings, uh, that was the Packers minus seven on the advance line. Uh, Packers have romped the, the last two games, so now that's uh, that's up to nine and a half. Uh, we're pretty pretty certain to see a lot, a lot more tens popping up there. Uh, Chargers uh, against the Rams, that was uh, seven a, a week ago, and then the Chargers uh, did not cover against the Raiders, and of course the Rams upset the Broncos, so uh, that one we're seeing closer to four and a half or five, so you know down from the key number. And the Broncos against the Dolphins, uh, the advance line was Broncos nine and a half. Now we're seeing sevens out there, uh, down to the key number there. And then the Monday night game, Ravens at the Saints. The uh, Saints were minus six as a home favorite on the advance line. And, uh, you know, we've seen that the Saints' uh, home field hasn't been uh, 
what it uh, usually is. And uh, that's down to three and a half. And I mean, we're even seeing some threes out there. Wow, a lot of reactionary moves on the National Football League card this week. Not quite as many as Dave said as last week, but nonetheless, those that have moved have been pretty dramatic. Right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on and see exactly what happens with those line moves this particular week. And speaking about dramatic moves, Dave, I know another winning play for you last week, the New England Patriots for your complimentary play on the show last week, another straight-up dog winner. What have you got on tap for our listeners this week as far as your National Football League play is concerned? Quite, quite a few that I uh, was uh, circling here when I was uh, <laughs> awaiting your call. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Titans, uh, plus the double digits at the Eagles. Now, not certainly not uh, hoping as much for the outright win here as uh, you know, we, thought, we thought with the Patriots last week. But, I mean, the Titans showed a lot on Monday night, uh, hanging with the Steelers and very well, you know, could have or should have won that, won that game. And, you know, the Eagles, you know, you know Mark Sanchez, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you keep hearing people saying about, oh, he's, you know, he fits in that system. And, and I mean, we, you know, but he didn't uh, look as sharp last week. So, I mean, yeah, the Eagles laying double digits here looks like a very vulnerable spot for them. So with with the Titans, like I said, looking looking better with uh, Mettenberger. Uh, he uh, look, looked good at times, and I think they can definitely stay within uh, one score here at the Philadelphia. Dave Tooley takes the double digits with the Tennessee Titans as he looks for Philadelphia struggles against the AFC South to continue. We'll put Dave down for Tennessee plus the points for his complimentary play on the show this week. Dave, I'm going to wish you the best of luck this week. I hope I talk with you next week, and you have at least another four-in-one week in the Superbook contest. If you do, that means the dogs will have barked once again. You and everybody else affiliated with the show will be happy about that. Again, once again, the best of luck to you this week, and we'll visit with you next week here on the show. Okay, happy handicapping, everybody. That's Dave Tooley joining us from ViewFromVegas.com. Dave, an author at ESPN.com. You can read his columns at ESPN.com as well or visit his website at ViewFromVegas.com. Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We'll put the final wraps on the show. With, I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week along with our top complimentary plays from Victor and yours truly. And we're back with more in the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Imagine getting up to $900 in free plays bonuses on every qualified deposit. Use your Visa, MasterCard, or even American Express. Only at Bet Online because you can. Your side failed to score? Use your shutout bailout card and get your bet back. Only at Bet Online because you can. Your side given up by halftime? Use your halftime surrender card, get half of your bet back. Only at Bet Online because you can. And remember, you get bonus on every deposit. That's the lifetime bonus guarantee. Only from Bet Online. Because you can. Terms and conditions apply. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week comes directly from our smart box contained in the Playbook Football newsletter this week. It's called 7 Come 11. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football home team in game 11 of the season who's off two losses exact if they won 10 or more games last year and they own a 500 or less record this football season. These teams tend to really struggle in this particular role, the two losses exacting a sign of downward times for these football teams by playing against the 7-11 teams. We're 24-8 and eight against the spread. That's a 75% play against winning proposition. This week we play against Ball State 
and against Middle Tennessee in our 7 come 11 awesome angle plays on the college football card this week. And with that, it's time to hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports. We'll find out what Victor's top complimentary play on the card is this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on going tap this week at King Creole Sports as well. Well, Mark, we've been talking NFL unders throughout the show. At the top of the show, we talked about the big-time underwhelming week last week. We mentioned that uh, we do like the under in the Seattle-Arizona NFC West Division clash. And our free play on the radio show is also going to be an under. But there is one game in the NFL in which we do like the over. We're going to be promoting that as our four-star over of the week in pro football. It'll be available at playbook.com on Friday evening. And again, that's that NFL four-star over the week. But for our free play in the radio show here, we're going to give the ball back to Speedy and let him run with it. He did uh, well last week. And in fact, for the second week in a row, he's going to be going under the total in a Houston Texans game. This week, Houston is at home entertaining Cincinnati Bengals. Two teams off uh, surprising road underdog wins last week. And this will be two of the more rush-heavy offenses in the league as well. Cincinnati is running the ball 29 times per game this season. They're only throwing it 32 uh, 32 times. So we're talking basically a 50-50 team here. They run the ball as often as they pass the ball. And on the flip side, the host Houston Texans, they are in fact the only team in the NFL this season that averages more rushes per game than passes per game. They're throwing 28 and a half passes per game. They're running the ball 33 and a half times per game. And in fact, if you watched last week's game against the Browns, Alfred Blue just set a Houston record with 36 rushes himself in that particular game. So it worked last week with a winner by double digits, and it should result in another low-scoring outcome this week. The last time we looked, Houston was a extremely short favorite in this game, somewhere around one to one-and-a-half points. And uh, I kind of hope the line stays under three in this particular game. That's because AFC home favorites of less than a field goal have gone 3-18 and 18 over-under in the last three years against a fellow AFC opponent when the over-under line is 47 or less points. And as I just touched on, both of these teams are off great defensive efforts last week. Houston held Cleveland only seven points in Cleveland, and Cincinnati's performance was even more dominating. They held the mighty Saints offense to only 10 points there in the Big Easy. And this has gone 0-7 over-under since the the 2007 season NFL games in which both teams allowed 10 or less points on the road in their previous game. And of course, this is in game 13 or less of the season. A database look at these two particular divisions also suggests a pretty low scoring outcome. Three 19 and two over under since 2004. That's three overs and 19 unders. And that occurs for AFC South division favorites like Houston against an AFC North opponent like Cincinnati when the over-under line is greater than 38 points. And what will basically seal the deal for man's best friend here is the fact that this series has been a low-scoring one as well. The Cincinnati-Houston series has gone a perfect 0-4 over-under in the last four meetings 
when the over-under line is greater than 38 points. That is the case in this particular game. It opened at 44. In most cases, it's down to 43.5. I got my plan at 44, which can be a key number as well. Either way, Speedy's going low in the Cincinnati-Houston game, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern kickoff on Sunday. Victor goes under the total. Victor and Speedy, I should say, in the Cincinnati-Houston game this Sunday for his complimentary play on the football show this week. And be sure to make plans with the join Victor King for his four-star NFL over play this week. It's available Friday anytime after 12 noon Eastern on the playbook.com website where you pay only after you win or you can get that very big same play at a 40% discount on a prepaid basis. Don't miss it. Victor King's four-star NFL over of the week this weekend. Moving on now to my complimentary play on the football show this week. And before I get there, I want to remind our listeners that my once-a-year 10-star college football game of the year will kick off this Saturday. And it couldn't come at a better time as we're on a major winning run on our late phone football service. 15-6-1 against the spread the last four weeks on a major good-time roll on our late phone service. Our 10-star college football game of the year documented in our history at 28-9-1 all-time, it goes this Saturday. Remember, last year we used Oklahoma State plus 7.5 points against Baylor when the Cowboys took down the Bears in dramatic fashion, winning the football game 49-17. to You can score our 10-star college football game of the year, part of another $99 football weekend of winners. All you need to do is log on to the website at playbook.com. Or give my office a call toll-free to join me for our 10-star football game of the year weekend of winners at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football show this week inside the Big Ten Conference. We're going to stay at home with the Purdue Boilermakers when they play host to Northwestern. This is as much a play against Northwestern as it is on Purdue. The Purdue Boilermakers have struggled, I'll admit, under head coach Daryl Hazel. They've yet to win a Big Ten home game, losing all seven contests, but they're playing much, much better of late coming down the stretch here. In fact, they've outstanded three of their last five opponents has Purdue. I think this game sets up well for the Boilermakers. Northwestern comes in off their overtime win over Notre Dame last week, and that's also set up by the fact that we have an anti-Irish angle inside the game. Teams who beat Notre Dame and go favor the next week have been horrible point spread plays. That'll be the role for Northwestern, and not only is Northwestern changing roles, this football team has been an underdog seven games in a row. The only other two times they were favored this football season, Northwestern, they lost both of those football games in straight-up fashion. We don't think they'll handle the role this Saturday. We'll take the points with their Purdue Boilermakers as I see Purdue winning their first Big Ten Conference game for head coach Daryl Hazel. Purdue plus the points for my complimentary play on the football show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for Victor King from King Creel Sports, Dave Tooley from ViewFromVegas.com, and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, this is Mark Lawrence once again reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>